Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live across the world on that thing we call the internet. And live at Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is uh, your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Good morning and welcome to the program. And thanks for coming in. Also, by the way, broadcasting on regular old terrestrial radio across the state of Alaska. And this is your favorite radio station and our FM translator. Hello. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for the Tuesday Top 3. Uh, we got Brad Keithley with Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be coming in and joining us here in uh, just a few minutes, and we're going to dive into those big three topics for today, which include, brace for it, brace for it, which includes the hypocrisy of Alaskan so-called moderates, the fiscal uncertainty of the recent decision by the BLM on the Willow Project, and why are still why are folks still channeling Rahm Emanuel's "Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste"? So those are going to be some topics for today. Then uh, on tomorrow's uh, or on uh, our two's pro, I'm already trying to get to tomorrow on our two's part of the uh, program. Chris Story, Chris Story. The man from Homer. He's going to come on board and give us our weekly uplift, PSA, positivity boost, whatever you want to call it. He's going to be, <clears throat> he's going to be ready to go. We're going to talk with him. Um, and so that's uh, that's where we that's where we go. That's today. That's the whole show. Thanks for coming. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, no, it's uh, it's good stuff. All right. So let's get into some headlines while we wait patiently. Uh, Brad's going to be joining us here in about 10, 12 minutes or so. But there are a few stories going around. And uh, there's a couple that I want to talk about. Um, first and foremost, um, this is, I mean, I guess it doesn't affect a lot of you because probably a lot of you don't necessarily care about what's going on in Anchorage or Anchorage politics. But... I got to ask a question. What's going on with the city of Anchorage? Yeah, what's going on with the city of Anchorage? I mean, come on. Uh, what's The things are like falling apart down there. The most recent one is the human resource director, Nikki Chewbacca, uh, resigned yesterday, kind of out of the blue, just boom. Citing, quote, an increasingly toxic and hostile and demoralizing work environment, unquote. And this is just the latest in a whole string of resignations. Of course, capping the whole thing off was Amy Dabosky's departure 
followed up by an 11-page complaint letter for alleging all kinds of stuff going on in City Hall uh, down in Anchorage. And so I got to ask, what is actually happening down there in the city? I mean, I know nobody wants to... uh, Nobody wants to be like, well, you know, because we finally got a good conservative mayor, right, to fight against the evil liberal assembly. I mean, this is this is the that's the I mean, that was the framing and the narrative that was going on. But the question is, what's actually happening here? Because, I mean, people are dropping like flies left and right and center. Raylene Griffith, who's the department's labor relations director, is going to serve as the acting HR director for now. But uh, there have been dozens of complaints uh, from current and former city employees alleging a hostile work environment, according to the ombudsman's office. Um, it is um, it's, it's just it's just it's crazy. Dimboski in her letter accused the mayor of encouraging and condoning that hostile work environment. She also accused Chewbacca and the mayor of taking no action after she reported them to a senior staff member. Um, and uh, then uh, Chewbacca has not answered questions about her claim from the Daily News on Friday and again on Monday. Um, <laughs> McAlpine, a former director of the Equal Opportunity Office, was fired in May while she was investigating employee workplace complaints about a hostile work environment involving the public library and its deputy director. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's just like this whole thing going on and on. And I just want to know what's going on. You know, Shabaka leaves, Dimboski leaves. Uh, I mean, these are some pretty well-known names in conservative circles, right? I mean, Nikki Shabaka is married to Kelly Shabaka. Uh, you got, uh, you know, Dimboski, who's been known for years. And all of a sudden, things are just like falling apart. I want to know kind of what's, I kind of want to know what's happening down in City Hall. I am thankful, by the way, that I don't live in the city of Anchorage right now. That's all I'm saying. Because it is a hot, 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 hot mess. That's what's happening down there right now. And the only reason I bring it up, because uh, as goes Anchorage, so could go the rest of the state. Uh, because we seem to be like monkey see, monkey do. We follow along with what Anchorage does in the long run. All right. Um, what else we got here? What what else do we have here? Um, let me, uh, I got to do something here. Put that in there. Okay. All right. What other stories we got? <clears throat> well, it seems that the Alaska governor, the lieutenant governor, and top officials are all on the hook uh, or all in line, I could guess I should say, for a pay increase. Um, this, according to the Alaska Beacon, the State Officers Compensation Commission, which sets pays for the governor, lieutenant governor, department heads in the legislature, has uh, recommended increasing the governor's salary from $145,000 per year to about one hundred and seventy-six. The lieutenant governor's salary would go from one twenty-five a year to one forty. Commissioner's salaries would go from one forty-one to one sixty-eight. The governor's existing salary is the 862nd highest among state employees below the manager of the Bethel Airport. So the Bethel Airport uh, manager is making more than 
$176,000 a year. What does he spend it on in Bethel? I'm just, you know, I'm just asking for a friend. I'm curious. But out of all the he is 862nd among all the state employees. Um, in their report finalized last month, the five-member uh, commission recommended increasing salaries by 2% two per, 2 per year since the last increase. The positions of governor and lieutenant governor last received a pay increase 10 years ago at 2011. And the commission recommended no changes in legis uh, legislative pay, by the way. But $176,000. Okay, no, I, let me, I, I messed that up because that was the new salary. So the Bethel airport manager makes more than $145,000. I'm sorry. I, I was using the new number, not the old number. But <clears throat> what? Okay. Um, I guess that's, I mean, that's good money if you can make it. That's uh, that's pretty good money if you could make it. Hundred, hundred and twenty-five thousand for the lieutenant governor, hundred and forty-one thousand for commissioners. That's uh, it's not a not a not a bad deal at all if you can uh, if you can make that kind of money. I guess uh, that's what you should go do. And uh, finally, a new proposal from our friend. And uh, my personal representative, I mean, he's not from me personally, but I mean, he is my representative in the legislature. <laughs> I, yes, I have a personal representative in the legislature that represents me and only me. Well, they call me Daddy Warbucks for a reason. The, the, the new proposed bill. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that's what people think, right? Well, you're so high and mighty, you have your own personal representative. Yes. Yes, I do. The new proposed bill is from Big Lake Republican Kevin McCabe. Uh, it's a bill that would exempt gold-backed currencies and gold and silver coins from local sales taxes in order to encourage their use as currency and not just as collectibles. Uh, McCabe told the House State Affairs Committee last week that the bill was inspired by a constituent who distrust the national banking system and would like to use gold and silver. Uh, under existing laws, gold coins are treated as investments, not currency. If someone wants to use them to buy something at a store, sales taxes are levied on the value of the coin, and then there's a separate tax of the value of whatever's being bought. Uh, on Thursday, the hearing uh, on the bill went forward, and legislators were offered an example. If a customer were to use a gold coin to buy groceries, existing law would require the transaction to be recorded as the store buying the gold coin from the customer. The store would have to pay the taxes on the value of the coin just as the customer would have to pay taxes on the groceries. And because the price of gold fluctuates from day to day, stores and customers would have to negotiate how much the coin is worth and how much the customer would receive in change if any were given. Um... Twelve states, by the way, have passed identical legislation. So, And there's no state sales tax. So the issue with gold and silver coinage would only occur in cities and boroughs with a local tax. It would preempt, his bill would preempt cities and boroughs from taxing the value of the coin. And uh, there, are some, uh, there are some different states that have uh, gold-backed currencies that uh, they're working on. Wyoming is one. I know there's a picture here in the 
Beacon article of one, but there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of discussion. And you know what? Not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, what was the other headline that I noticed this morning that just caught my attention? House Speaker calls for responsible, quote unquote, debt limit legislation, but shares few details. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, we got to be responsible about this. I had no idea how we're going to do that. I have no idea how we're going to do that, but we need to be responsible with the debt limit. Good to know. Good to know. And what's your plan, sir? Uh, I mean, what's your plan that's, you know, what what's going on? Responsible debt limit, trillions of dollars in debt, but we need a responsible limit. That's the important part. As long as we call it responsible, that's all that matters. Vote for me. All right. Um, <clears throat> we got to go. We got to go. We got more coming up. Uh, we got Brad Keithley. He's waiting in the wings. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We'll return with more. And Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, right after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Responsible, responsible debt limit. I mean, you know, that's that's a few more between friends. Uh, we got Brad Keithley uh, coming on board here, uh, right, uh, right now, right now because we can. Uh, there we go. Look at that. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend in his own mind. Brad Keithley, what's going on, my friend? <laughs> Good morning, Michael. Just to, just to clarify, the, the 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 speaker of the house you were talking about is Kevin McCarthy at the national level. At the national Kevin level, yeah, no, state. yeah, no, no, I don't. Yeah, sorry, Kevin McCarthy at the national level. Responsible debt limit. We don't really have a debt limit in the state of Alaska, obviously, but uh, yeah, no, you're right. It was a national thing. Um, so uh, how 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 goes it, my friend? What's happening? Doing great, Michael. Uh, uh, weather here, still, I'm visiting my mother. Weather here has still uh, uh, been fine. No more minus 15 degree mornings. Uh, so I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not freezing out and uh, doing great. So you feel feel a lot better. Feel a lot better. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not in a hoodie. And, and yeah. during last week's show, I almost put the hoodie up to, yeah, exactly. to stay warm. Just to stay warm during the uh, during the broadcast. It's going to happen. It'll be fine. Um, what uh, what uh, what what are your thoughts right now on uh, any thoughts since you're since you're a resident of the city of Anchorage? Any thoughts on what's going on inside <laughs> the city of Anchorage? I just want to comment on this because I'm uh, I'm trying to figure this out, and it's like, what is going on? I have no clue. I have no clue. The the I mean, just as you were pointing out, it goes from one thing to the next. Dimboski and now Chewbacca. It just I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And and and, the, and I think the problem is nobody knows what's going on. There's no transparency. Uh, there's no uh, you know peeking behind the behind the curtain. No opening the curtain to figure out what's going on. So 
it's and you know we've got we've got now got the assembly into it with a uh, with with their uh, uh, investigation and and you know they're trying to to stir up uh, additional uh, additional stories. So it's I, <laughs> it's it's um, hopefully hopefully you know the mayor or somebody whoever's left in city hall will. <laughs> will uh, make a statement at some point and sort of clarify it. But I, I don't know. I, it, it's, you know, to, to some degree, as long as the snow gets removed someday, as long as, you know, as, as long as the roads, as long as the roads still work, it, you, you, you can, you can sort of laugh, chuckle about it, but you know, we didn't get the snow cleared for a while. So maybe yeah. we can't chuckle. Well, I think that was the, I think that was like the capper for many people was the, you know, the snow's falling and uh yeah it's uh uh he's it, it, i think that was the capper for most people the snow not being removed was like okay that's quite enough if you can't even remove the snow off the roads that is a basic function of government you know what 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 do you do from there but but here's i guess here's the real issue the conservatives are just sort of imploding right right i mean Domboski, Miss conservative of all time, you know, w- walks off the scene throwing slings and arrows as she goes. Uh, Chewbacca uh, leaves. Uh, Jamie Allard isn't on the isn't on the council anymore. Isn't on the assembly anymore to, you know, to try to to direct things. So I, I, I at some point the conservatives are going to use up all of their all of their chips and and sort of leave you know, that side in disarray and let the other side, if they can, if they can get their act together, uh, have, uh, prevail. So I, it, that's, that's sort of the sad thing about it that, you know, right. you have a conservative mayor, you have a conservative, uh, city director, you have, you know, conservative people on the, on the, on the count, on the assembly. And they're just all, you know, they're all heading off to the four winds. Right. Well, and, and the, and the problem is, like you said, is that I mean this was the time that we you know okay great we finally got a conservative mayor to fight back against the the you know the liberal the evil liberal assembly, and then bam, um, things start blowing up and you're like did we make a mistake? I mean that's the thing he's really damaging the opportunity to continue, uh, in the long run. All right, Brad, hold the line. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your daddy. Uh, not your daddy's talk radio. That's what it was. That's that's how it works. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Brad Keithley, our guest here on the program, and we are ready to uh, jump into it with a weekly top three. Brad comes on every week and, uh, you know, dials down some stuff that uh, I think is important. And uh, so we're going to start off today uh, with a plethora of stuff. But first, let's say uh, uh, good morning, Brad. How, how are, how's, how's life in your neck of the woods? Michael, I'm doing great today. Nice bumper music. And, like and is that Eric doing the voiceovers? You did? No, no, that's a friend of mine from LA that did the voice, uh, d- doing the voiceover oh. for me. Well, it's, it's nice. It's Very the nice. same guy that's been doing all my voice work for years, but uh, 
I finally got around to updating some of my stuff. So you're going to hear some new stuff here in the, in the future. Uh, Brad, all right. So uh, we want to dive into this right away because I want to try to get to all three of the topics for today. We're going to start off in my favorite land. That is the land of hypocrisy. That is my favorite vacation destination uh, because so many people seem to be visiting there. Uh, the hypocrisy of Alaskan moderates. We need to discuss. Tell me what's. Uh, give me your thoughts on this. Let's uh, let's get started. Well, this got triggered by a recent article in the Ketchikan Daily News of all places that I'll refer to here in just a second. But but here here's the setup for it. Moderates in the lower forty eight typically say we need more spending, right? But they also at least are self-conscious enough or humble enough or aware enough to say, we need more spending and I'm willing to, I'm willing to play my part. I'm willing to, to pay a percentage part, uh, play my proportionate part uh, in that additional spending. Um, and moderates in the lower 48 also are focused not only on spending issues, they're focused on revenue design. I mean, that's where you get all the battles between sales taxes and income taxes and, and using the flat tax as sort of a middle road landing spot. But it's but they're always focused on, equally focused on spending. We've got to spend more on, in certain areas and revenue design. We've got to make sure that we spread that burden of additional spending equitably uh, through, uh, throughout all, uh, all income brackets and not focus it just on lower income brackets like a, or middle and lower income brackets like a sales tax does. Um, and and it, those, those two issues go hand in hand. Alaska moderates are great at, um, are great at focusing on spending. I mean, they, they're pushing for additional K through 12 spending. They're pushing for additional defined benefits. They're pushing now for additional university spending. They're pushing for, you know, a variety of additional spending categories. But when it comes to who pays for that, unlike the moderates in the lower 48 or in the rest of the world, the, the moderates up here are going, who, me pay? No, I don't. No, 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 that's not fair. We need to push it down on middle and lower income Alaska families through, uh, through PFD cuts. That's the way we need to pay for it. And on revenue design, uh, an issue that, as I say, is equally important to moderates in the lower 48 uh, and elsewhere in the world, uh, on revenue design, you can't find one Alaska moderate who talks about it at all. It's, it's, it's always... It's always well. PFD cuts. That's just you know. That's just the way. That's just the way we're going to do it. And uh, and and let's not talk about any of this, any of this other stuff. Um, so what what you really have is a hypocrisy up here, uh, of the moderates or the moderates are in a hypocrisy up here of saying yeah yeah spend push push forward on all spending on all spending fronts K through twelve defined benefit plans, um, uh, university anything else I can come up with, uh, push forward on all spending. Uh, fronts, but but when it comes to paying for it, they're nowhere to be found. Right. It's like you know, I'm in the top twenty percent, as all legislators, with maybe the exception of two, I'm in the top twenty percent. Um, I don't want to pay for it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. So I'm moderate on some things, but but man, I'm not moderate on uh, um, on uh, uh, on the revenue side. I'm a plutocrat, or I'm a I'm a, a, a uh, an elitist, a top 20, 20, top 20% elitist when it comes to, when it comes to the revenue side. Here's the thing that brought it home for me. This is, this is a report in the Ketchikan Daily News 
which is a great way to keep in touch with Southeast, by the way. Right. Uh, in the in the Ketchikan Daily News, a report on a meeting of their congressional delegation, uh, who they who they quickly point out five of six are, of, of whom are former teachers. Uh, their their representative dele- their legislative delegation with uh, with with Ketchikan and and here's Dan Ortiz um, from Ketchikan, the representative from Ketchikan, talking. The reality is. While the members of the legislature are saying publicly that they support an increment to the BSA because they're hearing from their districts that that's needed, we can't have that, at least a significant one, and also have a full PFD or the statutory PFD, Ortiz continued. Those two things won't work unless you're willing to overdraw the earnings reserve. Uh, Dan, there's another option. You pay for it. Yeah. You pay a proportionate part. So therefore, it's really simple, he continued. If we if we want to have a significant capital budget, if we want to have a significant increase for the BSA, well, then we can't have the statutory PFD. Those things are not possible. You cannot do it. And so that's where really, that's really where everybody is going to have to show their cards as individual legislatures and as caucuses. Eventually the vote will come to will come as to, okay. Where are you on the full PFD versus having a meaningful capital budget and having a meaningful increase to the BSA? You have to choose. Nowhere in that discussion by Ortiz or any other member of that delegation is, and we're willing to pay our, our right. proportionate share. No, as top yeah. percent members were as reti- state retirees with a full with with you know mostly tier one retirees, we're willing to contribute our proportionate share to these costs. Right. Or nowhere in this discussion is there a well, we have to we have to balance on the revenue side. We have to balance who we take this money from. We want a fair and equitable resolution on the revenue side the same way we want it. None of that. None of that. These guys are just all they're in it for additional spending. These so-called moderates are in it for additional spending. But when it comes to who pays, you, you see that their backsides as they're running out the door. Not me, not me, not me. Push it to middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. It, it is it is the ultimate. When, when viewed from the perspective of of understanding what moderates normally are in the lower forty eight, it is the ultimate in hypocrisy uh, that we're getting out of uh, out of these Alaska moderates. It's interesting because this is the same kind of hypocrisy we saw during the veto debate with Governor Dunleavy. Oh, cut, cut, cut! Oh, but don't cut in my don't cut in my district because that's we could have cuts, but just not there. It's the same kind of thing. Nobody wants to acknowledge that everybody is going to have to feel some pain if we want to uh, if we want to either continue to spend at the current level or cut down from the current level. Uh, somebody's going to have to feel the pain. We can't just keep going on. And that's part of the problem here is everybody is ignoring the overall problem, which is a tremendous appetite for spending. Yep. And and no and no recognition. Well, not only no recognition, a refusal of recognition of the impact is having uh, of, of the revenue impact is ha- the impact is having on the revenue side on middle and lower income Alaska families. It's like, it's like somehow magically PFDs don't cutting the PFD don't doesn't impact people. It's the same thing as saying magically taxes don't impact people, right? I mean, income taxes uh, impact people, sales taxes impact people. PFD cuts are just another variation of that. They're a head tax, what Hammond called a head tax. And, and they impact people, but there's no recognition of, of the impact. A lot of these people go around saying, oh, we got to do it 
for middle and lower income Alaska families, we've got to give them a leg up. We've got to, you know, we've got to have a, a better education system. We've got to have a better defined benefit system. We've got to have a better, you know, uh, university system to give middle and lower income Alaska, Alaska families a leg up. Uh, guys, are you watching what you're doing on the revenue side? You're taking it out of middle and lower income Alaska families. The top 20% are, are laughing all the way to the bank. They're contributing virtually nothing to, to these costs. You're just, you're just, what you're doing is you're deciding how middle and lower income Alaska families spend their money. You're taking it. You're saying, yeah, you don't need that money. We need it. And we're going to spend it for you on all these good things. The top 20% who also benefit, who are, who are in the front lines of saying, we need spending. We need K through 12. They, you know, they're out in front saying that's, that's good for Alaska. Well, if it's a good, if it's good for Alaska, pay for it, a, a portion of it yourselves. No, no, no. We don't want to do that. Right. It's just, Michael, it's, it's just one of the, you know, viewed from the perspective of, of somebody who understands fiscal policy, viewed from the perspective of someone who sees how this plays out in the lower 48. It's just a joke in Alaska, what these so-called moderates are doing. It's, it's spend, 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 but don't make me pay for it. Let's just shove the cost down on middle and lower income Alaska families. They won't, they won't care. They'll, they'll right. be fine. We'll just, we'll just explain it's, it's, it's for their own good. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And that, of course, nobody wants to say the, uh, the dreaded tax word. They, nobody wants to even acknowledge that the dreaded tax word is already in effect on the PFD. That's the thing. They, they've already made the decision. And you could hear it in Ortiz's comments there. He's already made the decision that the PFD is the only bag of money to draw from from everything else. I, it's just, I mean, the, it, it either comes from the PFD uh, or it comes from the earnings reserve. What, what universe is Dan living in? There is another option. It's you've got a personal income tax going on middle and lower income families in the form of PFD cuts. Just broaden the middle the 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 personal income tax to everybody and include non-residents, so you get a a ten percent bump. I mean, ten percent of the costs are covered by non-residents, so you don't have to cover that from middle and lower income, or you don't have to cover that from any Alaska family, right? Middle and lower income or higher income Alaska families. Um, but not, rather than that, rather than talk about what truly would be a moderate revenue proposal, re a moderate proposal on the revenue side, rather than talk about that, they just ignore it, assume it away and say, oh yeah, this, this, this revenue proposal that, you know, benefits me as a member of the top 20%. Yeah. That, that's the one I want to go with. Before your head explodes. I think, <laughs> I think, I think we should. Well, move. it's just, it, it, it <laughs> is just frustrating. Right. It's just frustrating to see people get away with claiming the moderate. I mean, the, the the press lets them get away with it. The bloggers let them get away with it. They're moderates. No, they aren't. They're hypocritical elitists. Is yeah, what well, they are. yeah, they're big Lim government limousine liberals. You know, they're big government people. I mean, right? This is not a this is not liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. This is big government versus limited, more restricted, smaller government. That's all it is. That that I mean, it doesn't matter. We've got R's doing it. We've got D's doing it. It doesn't matter. They're pro-government, pro-big government. That's the end of the story. All right, let's move over to uh, number no, two. No, no, I want, I want to stay on this forever. I, I know. Just, you just, <laughs> you just <laughs> blood shoots from your eyes. Uh, number two, the Willow Project and fiscal uncertainty. Go for it. Well, the Willow Project is great. So BLM this past week came out with a decision, a preliminary decision that will be finalized uh, somewhere in the 30-plus day range 
a preliminary decision that they're going to allow three pads uh, at the Willow project. What Conoco, Conoco had proposed five, had said that when, when it got rejected by the courts, came back to the agency and to the company, they essentially worked out a deal for three. Conoco said it could live with three. If it got cut down below three, got cut to two, as, as many had proposed, uh, then they couldn't live with it. It wouldn't be an economic project and they weren't going to go forward. They weren't going to be able to develop enough reserves out of two pads to be able to make the project, to be able to make the, the high investment required um, uh, economic. And the BLM's come out with a preliminary decision that says three pads, uh, not five as you originally proposed, not two as, uh, as, as others had proposed. We're going to go with three pads. And Conoco said that makes it economic. Conoco's had very good words about it since. But you know, some are some are reacting. Um, some in the in the in the community are reacting, saying "Happy days are here again," uh, because wow, more production's coming, huge numbers of production of additional production. Uh, we're in the money. Uh, fiscal po- uh, problems have gone away. And and what I want to discuss in the second segment is uh, that that economically, this is good for Alaska, very good for Alaska, and I'll explain why economically it's very good for Alaska. Uh, but from a fiscal standpoint, it's not happy days are here again. And I'll explain why the way that uh, royalty works on federal lands and the way our uh, severance tax structure works, why it's not happy days are here again, just because the Willow Project's been approved. All right. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with number two and number three, if we can squeeze it in. We'll be back with more Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio, The Michael Duke Show. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. In the break with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, <laughs> oh, Brad. Oh, Brad. Um, any, uh, any thoughts on speaking of, uh, speaking of hypocrisy, any thoughts on the, uh, HB 22, the defined benefits, uh, plan being rammed through, uh, community and regional affairs at, uh, at warp speed and then coming out at the other end without a fiscal note. I mean, cause the vote has now happened, right? So the vote's over, but it can't go anywhere because it doesn't have a fiscal note attached to it. Uh, and they may not be able to get to a fiscal note for maybe a month or something. So any thoughts on that whole thing? Oh, it's uh, CJ. It, it's the it's the Bush caucus uh, showing their power by CJ ramming it through the committee. And and he got the, the freshman Republicans, and the freshman Democrats on the committee to to support it, because after all, it's K through 12. It's for the children and, and, and or it, it, in a in a uh, in a in a. Uh, well, that, it's that for the fire. Not for it's the for the firefighters. It's, it's for the police. for the firefighters. It's for the somebody. Fir- the first response, uh, right? I know it's somebody has got to. Don't you love children, hamsters, squirrels, and police? Oh, it was police. That was it. That's it. But it's just. I mean, it's them. It's them showing the power. Their their power to do it. Do it. But that bill's got what? If Kevin's on, he'll know. It's either got three referrals or four referrals. It's like it's, it's got like four. Yeah, it's got four referrals total. But so, so it's like the death knell. I mean, it's, yeah. It, 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 it rarely, something that has four referrals barely gets to the, uh, uh, barely gets to the, 
Finance Committee, much less to the floor of the House of Origin, much less crosses over and gets to the gets to the other body. Um, so it's it's unlikely to, to to go anywhere. But I think it is. So it was a signaling. It was a signaling by CJ that look the Bush powers got uh, got uh, uh, control here, and I'm and I'm going to exercise my powers as chairman of the committee to show you that control. And it's a signaling by the freshmen that. Hey, we're not gonna, you know, we're not we're not gonna be your father's conservative, I guess, um, uh, and uh, and we're gonna vote for uh, we're gonna vote for things like this. So, you know, they're out there. Uh, I think McKay and and uh, uh, and uh, 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 the others uh, that voted against it, um, you know, made showed common sense by saying, wait, let's slow down, let's consider all the aspects of this, let's get a fiscal note on it. Uh, but there's the, they wanted to get the signal out there. That Well, we lost Brad for a second. Hold on. The interwebs is chugging. The interwebs is chugging. Hold on. They got it out there. Okay. Um, so it's it, it's just one of it. It's it's one. It's sort of it's sort of like sort of like Senate going all in on K through twelve spend. Dang. Right. Which is where my brain was. Let's not build up a constituency. Let's not. You know, let's not look at the various aspects of this. Let's just get this bill going. Let's just get these dollars going. Yeah. And um, and it's a signal. I mean, it's a it's a way of signaling that to their constituencies constituencies that that's what they're doing. Jamie Allard, on the other hand, the chair of the House Education House Education Committee, gave her signal also. She didn't even show up for her first committee meeting. So wow, yes. wow. It's uh, we we got we got signals going all over the place, um, but but that's what you get in the early part of the session. You get signaling actions. You don't get actions that really have right. a lot of meaning. Meaning they're just <clears throat> actions designed to get headlines. Well, it'll be interesting to watch how this all shakes out. But I just found it very, you know, that those first those first moves seem to set the tone, right? And so it, the first move is we're going to blitzkrieg this through the committees and try and get it done. Uh, you could see exactly where, and the strong arming that's going on is definitely um, is definitely an interesting uh, uh, situation. Yeah, it, I, I mean, Kevin and Kevin and McCabe and Tom K were right to to try to slow it down, and they were right in the points they made. Um, and I and I don't, you know, some people are saying, "Oh, well, they should have read the bill." Uh, whichever, I think it was McKay who said he hadn't read the bill yet. I. It, I mean, you, you, that's not the way the legislative process works. And, but it's, that's what, that's the signal they wanted to send. They wanted to show that they could steamroll something that the Bush caucus with CJ as chairman could steamroll something. So, okay, there's your signal. You got it. Right. Congratulations. Right. You have the power. We admit you have the power. It's all fine. We're all, we're all good to go. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is uh, our guest. We're going over the weekly top three. We're about uh, 45 uh, seconds out. I believe Jamie was attending her daughter's graduation was what Donna said. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it, it is, okay. it's easy. You know, it's early in the thing, uh, early in the, uh, early in the session. I, you know, stuff, what? stuff happens. It was like, I can't remember who, I can't remember who, oh, I think it was when shower was out and they're like, well, I don't know where he's at. He's supposed to be a fighter for us and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Man, I remember when Liesl McGuire took like a three-week junket to Germany and nobody really said anything about it until I started blasting it on the show 
like a week later, like what the, we're, she's out doing this legislative, I mean, the session is going on. Uh, it's, you know, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, let's, uh, let's continue on the Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio, like and share, like and share, like and follow. Hey, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Here we go. Let's. The Michael Duke Show, proudly splitting the left versus right uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I had to look that word up too. I don't think it means what he thinks it means. Here he is, though. That guy, Michael Dukes, the one with the show. That's right. Left and right dichotomy, more like pro-government and, uh, and, you know, big government, small government dichotomy. I don't know. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, continues with us here this morning. Uh, Brad, we were talking about number two, the uh, potential, the good news on Willow from the BLM report, but also how that there's still fiscal uncertainty on that. Uh, what's what's happening? Well, let's, let's talk about Willow from two perspectives quickly. One is from the economic perspective. It's great for Alaska. There will be construction involved. There will be people hired. There will be materials required. There will be transportation up to the slope required. There will be, you know, a, 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 a contractors hired to do, to do a number of things. That is great for the Alaska economy. When people say oil drives our economy, what really drives our economy is oil construction is oil development, is hiring people to do oil development. Once you get the thing built, like Prudhoe, you sort of ramp down the, the, the need for people, you ramp down the need for contractors, um, you ramp down the need for uh, uh, various ancillary services. But in the construction phase, in the development phase, you really, you, you bring on a lot of contractors, a lot of people. So it's, it's, great, for the, the, it's great for the Alaska economy. It's, it's very welcome news for the Alaska economy. Some people then translate that and say, oh, well, it's also great for Alaska fiscal. It's not, um, particularly something like Willow. Willow's on federal lands and the royalty uh, uh, due from Willow, the oil royalty due from Willow goes to the federal government. The federal government's got a, got a statute that divides that royalty 50% to the federal unrestricted general fund essentially. And the other 50% dedicated for Alaska Native communities uh, in on the on the slope programs for Alaska Native communities on the slope. None of it, none of the royalty comes to the state uh, to the state general fund. Production taxes, uh, production taxes have a essentially a tax holiday at the front end uh, for new production. Um, I can't remember if it's five or seven years. It got changed somewhere along the way. But there's a essentially a production holiday for new for, for new. Developments that was done as part of as part of the the overall uh, uh, tax legislation, oil tax legislation in 2013. It was done as an incentive for additional development to give an economic benefit uh, to an additional economic benefit to new development. And so there's there's no taxes that will come uh, quickly out of out of Willow. And in fact, because of the way the the uh, the deductions work, we have a net profit system, a net profits oil tax system. Because of the way the deductions work, actually Willow in the early stages, in the, in the development stages, will be a negative to our tax system because you can, they'll be able to, Conoco will be able to deduct the expenses right. of, of developing Willow uh, from, their, from their otherwise tax bill. And there right. won't be any offsetting revenue from, from the additional revenue that will, or from the additional production that will, that will offset that. So 
you look when you look at the 10 year plan, for example, you see production ramping up, but you actually see revenues ramping down and and oil revenues ramping down. And that's not in part it's due to the drop in oil prices. Uh, but it's also due to the to the impact of those of those development costs uh, running through the uh, the deductions to uh, to the tax. So it's it's it, Willow is a great deal. It indicates that we can at least get some oil development on federal lands, um, and and says that the federal government's not shutting us down completely, which is a very good message to send. It's a great message for the economy because it means more employment, more construct, more contractors, more construction, more building on the slope. Great message for the economy. But don't don't you know, don't try to steal second on it and say, oh, but it's also great for Alaska fiscal because it does. It doesn't have the sort of impact that you're thinking on Alaska fiscal. Don't uh, doesn't don't we have a isn't there a 90 10 deal in place of the on federal lands too? don't we at least get 10 percent of the split um, at one point on the royalties? That's is that's Anwar, I think. Is that just on, Anwar, or is it on all federal I, lands? I think so. NPRA, NPRA, it's fifty-fifty on the federal royalty, um, and it's fifty percent to the federal to federal coffers, fifty percent to this de- dedicated fund or designated fund for the benefit of uh, of native communities on the slope. So I don't, I don't think. Well, I I know there's no revenue that comes to. Uh, comes to the state coffers directly to the state coffers out of the uh, uh, out of the uh, uh, out of the royalty side. There's some, I mean, there's some indirect effect, effect to the extent you have some federal money going to native communities on the slope. Then you don't need to worry as much about about state support to those communities. But it's certainly not a one for one trade off. Right. All right. Well, so that's number two in the column of. Uh... Be careful what you wish for, uh, you know, that, like you said, good news on the one hand, not necessarily good news fiscally uh, in the long run. We just get the bump on construction and then it drifts, it drifts off, right, and fades away in the long run. Yeah, well, and, and eventually the tax holiday, the early, early years tax holiday goes away and we do get production taxes from it. But it's not going to be, it's not like Prudhoe where we get both royalty or what Pico would be where we get both royalty and production taxes. It'll just be the production taxes. And if oil continues to decline in those out years, then the value of those production decl- uh, taxes will decline as well. It's it's just don't don't think we've don't think we've solved Alaska fiscal on the basis of the Willow approval inside you know a span of fifteen years. It's not it's not going to have that effect. Right. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. That was number two. Uh, which leads us down to number three, which is a discussion about Cook Inlet gas production and why it seems like some folks continued to channel Rahm Emanuel in Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste. Brad, what is your thought on this discussion in the Senate briefing on the future of Cook Inlet gas? Well, the sleeper issue this session, I think, is is beginning to look like the Cook Inlet uh, gas decline. Uh, Hillcorp has said uh, we're running out of gas in the Cook Inlet. We're running out of gas that we've developed or we an- anticipate developing um, in the Cook Inlet, and uh, and so you know you the, those those dependent on the Cook Inlet, the utilities, NSTAR, uh, uh, the electric utilities uh, that that are reliant on Cook Inlet gas. Uh, you need to start. You need to start fending for yourself. And among other things, they're looking at an increased investment in renewables or increased renewable 
uh, uh, power generation, and they're looking at bringing LNG in to supplement the LNG. The, the thing, the thing that, that I'm concerned about, I, I, we've had this before. We had it in 2010, 2011. We had a Cook Inlet crisis in 2010, 2011. The mayor, Dan Sullivan, was the mayor at the time. He established a commission to look into it. The legislature looked in, into it. The ultimate result of that was a bunch of credits, um, oil and gas tax credits, reimbursable oil and tax credits, uh, that the legislature created to essentially pay for the to pay uh, uh, oil and gas companies to develop additional reserves in the Cook Inlet. Hillcorp, because of the timing of when it bought uh, the properties from, from Chevron and Marathon, Hillcorp was the major beneficiary of that uh, in the Cook Inlet, but there were other beneficiaries in the Cook Inlet. And, and that oil and gas tax credit program was, was credited uh, perhaps not fairly so, but credited with with you know staving off the 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 concerns we had in the in the early 20 teens about uh, about you know, declining Cook Inlet gas production. Um, we're having this same the same sort of thing is now coming up again, the same sort of drive, and and it doesn't take much for somebody to try to tip that into oh and we need oil and gas tax credits again to to encourage to incentivize development. Uh, in uh, in oil and gas development in the lower 48. And Hillcorp, I'm sure, would be saying, well, we've got projects, but the projects aren't economic right now. You know, they, 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 don't, they don't pass muster uh, for, the, for the dollars we have. Now, if you have some credits, maybe we could, you know, get in there and do that. I, I, it doesn't take much to try to tip this crisis, the Cook Inlet gas crisis, uh, into an opportunity for somebody to say, hey, we need more state money in order to fix this. Um, and so I'm a little concerned that what we're seeing is sort of the same thing over again that we saw in 2010, 2011, 2012, the drumbeat beginning for state needs to get involved in this. The state needs to have needs to do oil and gas tax credits again. They were successful last time um, and uh, and and start pushing in that direction. And, you know, we ultimately got the oil and tax credit, the reimbursable oil and gas tax credit uh, program uh, uh, expired, terminated in the in the mid 20 teens. But after we'd paid out a hell of a lot of money, uh, mostly from the CBR, uh, uh, to, to reimburse those to oil and gas tax credits. So I'm, I'm concerned that we're beginning to see the drumbeat. And as I was reading this article, I was, uh, I was thinking to myself, Rahm Emanuel, do not let a, cri good, a crisis go to waste. Who is sitting there going, uh, I'm not going to let this crisis go to waste. I'm going to turn it into dollars and cents, uh, dollars and cents for me and my friends by saying, by telling the legislature, We'll solve this if you, if you, if only if you, if you, if you only would give us money uh, to go back out and develop these additional reserves. So I'm, I'm troubled by it. Well, and uh, I mean, I guess we should all be paying attention to it. I mean, it's no lie that the gas reserves are declining. The question is, are the, are the projects truly, um, you know, not fiscally feasible, or is it just, is this, is this the, the, the carrot, the trap, is this the trap? Is this, is this what it's about? Do you think? There, there is a, there is a problem in the Cook Inlet. The Cook Inlet, we have a very small market in Alaska. We used to export gas uh, uh, out of a gas uh, LNG out of Alaska, but we stopped that. We have a very small market. So it's really hard to, to, to do the economics of projects in the Cook Inlet because if you if you have a huge success, then you've flooded the market. You aren't going to be able to market your gas, and the price of your gas is likely going to go down. So you you 
you really, you can't, it's hard to do the economics, but, but oil and gas tax credits don't make those economics any better. They don't change the, the dynamic of the market. They don't increase demand in the market uh, for, for the, for new projects. They just sort of subsidize you for developing gas and then holding onto it for a while until you can have the next crisis and ask for credits again. So it, I mean, there is a, there is a problem in the Cook Inlet. Frankly, LNG may be the best option. It may be the most economic option. Now, what people do is go, LNG, no, nah, we're not going to do that. In the, in the 2010s, Sean Parnell, I mean, LNG would pro was probably the best option, better than the oil and gas tax credits, but Parnell said, oh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do LNG. We're not going to bring LNG into Alaska. So figure something else out. And what we finally figured out was to do the oil and gas tax credits. But um, you, people are going are gonna to have this allergic reaction to LNG. They shouldn't. It should be considered as, as one of the options. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, out of time. Got to go. We're hour two bound. Coming up next. Sorry, Brad. I got you up on a wound up on a on a thing there, and I wanted to uh, keep going. Um, I mean, I'm obviously as somebody who lives in South Central and who has definitely benefited from uh, definitely benefited from oil and gas or from uh, gas, I guess, you know, financially, I'm a little concerned about, you know, where, where, where do we go from here? Because that, you know, that makes a huge difference. I mean, I've, I've said it many times I have made, uh, I've saved thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, on my heating and, and, uh, electricity and, and, you know, everything else from oil and gas, uh, and specifically from gas. So I am a little concerned about what's going on in the Cook Inlet. Um, I just don't know if it's a real problem or if it's just they'll wait to the last minute to try and squeeze it in. Well, if you use the Rahm Emanuel approach, you'll wait to the last minute and try to squeeze it in because then, then your options will be limited, right? You need to start on LNG early. If you're going to develop renewables, you need to start on renewables early. If you wait to the last minute to do it, then, then oh my God, you know, then then Hillcorp may say, oh, I got this field out there, but it's not economic to develop it. It'd be nice if, <laughs> be nice if I had this subsidy to go develop it. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's coming on as the sleeper issue. I, I've heard more and more people talk about it. It's gotten more and more press. There's more and more urgency to it. If I were a utility executive, I'd be concerned about it too. But let's just, let's control the, the discussion and look, you know, uh, look, uh, 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 holistically at the various options and let's be diligent in doing the economics of the various options. Let's not just run to the, to the, to the edge of the boat and say, Oh my God, we got to do oil and gas tax credits again. No one, no one's really pushing that yet, but this is the same drumbeat I saw in the early 20 teens. And I, and I, and I've seen this movie before and, and I know where this movie starts heading. Um, so uh, and Kathy Giesel was one of the primary movers of it, and she's chair of Senate Resources this time around. So I'm just I'm very I'm very cautious about this, and and I and I see the sort of drumbeat that we saw in the 20 teens about there's a crisis we've got to do something about it we've got to act now we've got to oh and and the producers tell us if we give them some more credits maybe they can find some projects out it, it's just we need to be very careful about that and we need to consider the economics of all the options before we go plunging off. And it's, good, and it's good we're starting early. I mean, someone, relatively early. Someone in the chat room just said, why are you giving the legislator ideas? Uh, don't you just love it when Brad gives the legislators bad ideas? 
I, they probably thought of this. I mean, right? I mean, you're not maybe letting anything out of the bag. Maybe. I don't know. Hillcorp isn't dumb. <laughs> I mean, Hillcorp, Hillcorp knows where they made a bunch of money in the early 20 teens. They know what it would, they know it'd be nice to have that money again. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not giving the legislators any ideas that the lobbyists haven't already given. Right. Um, any final thoughts here, Brad, before we let you go for today? I mean, things this week, things we need to be watching for just overall final thoughts. You want me to go back to hypocrisy for a while? Yeah, you can go I, back to hypocrisy if you want. That's the thing. No, it's I, the the things I'm watching this week. I, um, ways or ways and means, house ways and means. I continue to watch. I continue to to want to get a sense for where that's going. Uh, they've been charged with developing the fiscal plan. Ben's the chair. Donna's on the on the on the staff. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. I, if it if it goes down the line of the fiscal policy working group and includes uh, uh, substitute revenues, includes uh, a component for substitute revenues, then I, then I, think, it's, I think it's got a chance. If it, if it goes off in the direction that, that, that Ben would, would naturally want to take it, which is spending cuts, then, I, then it's going to become an irrelevant committee. But it, it, had, a, it had a good first hearing. It had a good second hearing. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I want to I continue to watch and see where that committee goes. I think it could be a very, a very helpful committee as it, as it develops. Speaking of that, um, I, speaking of hypocrisy, I thought blood would be shooting out of your eyes when you read the ADN article on Donna Ardwin's return to the, uh, legislature. Did you read the piece and see Stedman's comment? Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, mean that, that there was just th no, those, <laughs> there's no analysis by Ardwin about the impacts of the cuts being proposed by the governor, the impacts of, I mean, but no talk about any of the impacts of the spending that they want to do or the cuts that they want to do or anything else. No impacts on any of that. I could just see you shaking your head. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that war is still fresh in everybody's mind. I'm not uh, it, it's not going to it's not going to be forgotten for a long, long period of time. So but I, but the committee, the committee is important. And uh, and and hopefully the committee is on track uh, uh, to 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 truly flesh out uh, the uh, the fiscal policy working groups uh, uh, recommendations and to truly come up with an all of the above uh, strategy if it does uh, I think I think that uh, I think that committee is going to do a substantial service for the state well I hope so uh, Donna says ways and means meets Mondays and and Wednesdays at 6 p.m so right. tune your dial tune your clock and go over there and get it done. All right, uh, Brad, uh, thanks for coming on board and joining us. I appreciate it. I hope we didn't d damage your blood pressure uh, too badly <laughs> with that first hypocrisy thing. Uh, it's no, uh, you, you let me vent. It was otherwise building up. Right? I got to tell you, it's it's ironic. We see this hypocrisy at many levels in the state government. And uh, the moderates is one thing. It's when we see it from supposedly the more conservative side that we still get even more frustrated. But this is something we've been dealing with for a long time. So. I appreciate you coming in and shining the light on it. Thank you so much for being part of it today. Michael, thanks for having me. All right. We appreciate you uh, coming on board. All right, folks, we are up against top of the hour break. It's time to jump back around and uh, do our thing with hour two. Let's, uh, let's get things ready to rock and roll. Please like and share the show. Like and follow the show page on Facebook. Also, ring the bell and subscribe on YouTube.
It's uh, it's how we get things done. We're going to continue with your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the, the michael dukes show the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me what more could you want from a low budget radio program this is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is common sense uh, distilled down into a two-hour punch in the gut. That's what we try and do anyway, each and every. Sometimes it's more like a feather-light tickle instead of a punch in the gut. But, you know, we're trying. We're trying. That's what we're trying to do each and every day. Uh, welcome back to the program, and let's uh, let's dive in. This hour, Chris Story, the man from Homer, will be joining us for our weekly uplift, where we'll get a chance to talk about, uh, uh, you know, uh, positivity, pottery, I don't know, whatever we're going to talk about. He's going to help us. He is going to help us get back on track and get things uh, get things going on. Um, I, uh, I see that there's been an article that David Eastman put out, um, in the, uh, uh, on his own, on his own blog post, he's got an article up talking about, um, uh, talking about losing, uh, uh, losing some of his staff. Um, the t- headline of the article is if you like your staff, you can keep your staff political extortion. In the Alaska legislature, um, he he said that he has uh, lost his staffer after a, after a promise from the speaker that if he liked his staff, he could keep his staff. Uh, he said this morning after earlier receiving an ironclad commitment from the speaker of the house that I, if I like my staff, I can keep my staff. My legislative aide Pam Good was fired. Um. A Democrat political activist and former baggage staffer came to the office to gloat and to mock her in person and congratulate her on her retirement. This is the kind of treatment that conservative legislators and their aides all too often receive in her state capitol. And no, it wasn't a Democratic legislator who reneged on the agreement made less than 48 hours earlier. It was our so-called Republican legislator who recently joined with the Democrats in the House Bipartisan Caucus. That's Louise Stutes. That's it. 
Uh, after working in my office for more than two years, Pam was made to turn in her keys first thing this morning. In addition to managing my daily counter, calendar and assisting me with state fiscal policy, she also taken most of the daily telephone calls and emails to her office over the past two years. She's done a fabulous job. And uh, it goes on to talk about um, how this all went down and exactly what was going on. Um, and uh, it it it's, uh, you know, welcome, welcome to welcome to the pot. Welcome to the party, pal. That's welcome to the party, pal. It's uh, it's crazy, crazy. Um, anyway, it's uh, not uh, Stutes. It was Tilton. My bad. I I said Stutes, but I was I mixed it up in my brain. I apologize. Kathy Tilton is who he was talking about, not Louise Stutes. So uh, interesting, uh, interesting to see what that's all about. You guys can read the article if you want. I'll post a link to it up in the chat room so that folks can uh, go take a look at it and see what's uh, what's going on there. Um, these things happen, these things come, and these things go. I mean, I thought it was interesting yesterday watching um, Will Stapp um, be in the interview with us in his office, which was – Beautiful. I mean, the office was was beautiful. Um, whereas when you looked at what happened with uh, you looked at what happened with uh, with Rob Myers and his little closet, which seems to be smaller than my little uh, production studio here. Uh, it was uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, you lose staff. Sometimes you you know, your fortunes rise and your fortunes fall. It. Uh, it it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation to sure but we'll we'll see what happens uh i i don't know if it's just more you know look at me or if it's really an issue um we'll i guess we'll find out more about it as we uh as we go through here um what else is uh, on the uh, on your minds here this morning as we go uh, as we talk about things i suppose i should uh I suppose I should fire up the phones, right? Because usually in the first segment of the hour, we do phone calls and more. Uh, feel free to jump on over and uh, uh, and see what this is about. Let me get the phone lines. Let me get the uh, phone lines uh, plugged in and ready to go. And we'll uh, we'll take we'll take your calls and see what you have to say at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Four three 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 one five zero. You could call us there and uh, have a conversation with us. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, and of course, it's all powered by our friends over there at Satellite West. You could find them at satellitewest.com. Uh, wherever you're at in the state of Alaska, whether it's uh, Chignik or Chickaloon, whether it's Delta or, or uh, Little Diomede. Or I uh, just Menchumina or Metlatakla. I mean, any of them, any of those places, you can find uh, connectivity with the help of your friends at Satellite West. Sending a text message, making a phone call, checking your email, surfing the internet, all available at satellitewest.com. Go over there and uh, check them out and uh, thank them. Uh, if you get a chance to talk to them, thank them for sponsoring the show. Because uh, without them, we would it'd be a much harder day, much harder day here to get things done. 
All right, phone lines are open for your perusal at 907-433-3150. We'd love to hear what uh, you would have to what you have to say about this. Uh, go ahead and give us a ring and let's uh, let's see what you have to say. Also, of course, you can drop us an email. The email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com, M-E at michaeldukeshow.com, and uh, that's uh, just dropping me an email and getting it done. Let's go over to the phones to see what you have to say. We'll start off over here. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, good morning, Mike. Uh, this is... Uh... Mark, in care of the Alaska Freedom Council, calling from the Golden Heart Interior. How are you today? I'm doing good, Mark. What's uh, what's on your mind today? Well, I just wanted to get out there and uh, refute your analysts on that 90-10. You were correct. It's applicable to all federally designated lands in Alaska. Uh, all Alaskans own that Alaska State Statute Mines and Mining Section 28.8190%. They're cloaking it like they do the PFD, uh, just like uh, Coghill was trying to tell all Alaskans up here that uh, we don't own it, and it's uh, quite the reverse. Uh, we do, all Alaskans, but uh, also all the indigenous Alaskan Americans born after December 18th, 1971 as unique Alaska U.S. citizens, they own this uh, 90-10 uh, with all other Alaskans. See, ANCSA, uh, signed in 71 by President Nixon, was a pre-1741 origin. It was retroactive. It's where we get the ANCSA regional corporations because of this re retroactive precedent that was set. And it really is somewhat providential. But uh, the ANCSA boards uh, haven't stood up for Alaskans post-1741, 1741-2023. Today, public interest heritage and accumulated uh, uh, public interest assets, which accumulated uh, 92 years after the 1867 treaty accession with Alaska statehood. Now, uh, we became a state in 59. So, I mean, I guess what I'm asking, is, I guess the question that I should be asking is, so we're getting our 90-10 split. I was right about that. And then the money splits further on from there to well, the federal were, government and the regional you were right courts? About, you, were, you were right about the fact that we own it, but we haven't been getting it since 1959. It's unsettled. But today, all the land selections are concluded under ANCSA in 71 and ANOCA in 1980. And so uh, what happened was, uh, with the help of Coghill and others, uh, they were able to slip in this uh, acquiescence clause to seize the 90%. And uh, regarding Willow, it's trespass. Alaskans own that. Okay. And this is what's going on in the BLM, and it also stems back to educate. It also stems. It also stems back to educational malpractice. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate you giving us the uh, history lesson on that. Thank you for uh, sounding off this morning. Uh, interesting stuff there. Let's go over to the next call and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? 
Yeah, Mike. Mike King from Salcha. Hey, Mike. Uh, what uh, what's happening out there today? Uh, well, 16 below this morning. Not bad. Uh, is this open forum? Can I mention anything this morning? Sure. Go ahead. Why not? Well, you've known me for quite a while, and I went to Mexico last week and had all my teeth pulled and got new teeth, and they pulled all my teeth. If I'd have gone with this dentist, it was $1,300, $7,800 in Fairbanks just to pull my teeth. And I got new teeth and I got new pins. I go back in six, go back in six months and get snapped-in teeth. And anybody that's got problems, you better get it done because I never realized that it affected my sinuses so bad. I breathe through my mouth at night because I can't breathe through my sinuses. Since having my teeth pulled, I breathe through my sinuses. Are you still there, Mike? Oops, I'm sorry, Mike. Hold on. I accidentally muted you. Since you since you had your sinuses or since you had your teeth pulled, you can yeah, breathe. Mike, since you since you said since you had uh, your if I'd have gone to a dentist, it would have been thirteen hundred dollars, but I went with uh partial implants on the bottom, so it was twenty eight hundred and fifty dollars the first visit, and it'll be eighteen hundred when Wow. Well, uh, I know that a lot of people have done that. Uh, a lot of people have uh, headed down to old Mexico to uh, get their teeth done. Some with good results, some with not so good results. I guess as long as you're going to a reputable dentist down there, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely much cheaper to go outside than it is to try and get that done here locally. Yeah, and I, I also had my eyes checked and got glasses, and they – found astigmatism in each eye. I've got bifocals without the line, transition lenses, and glare resistant at night, $200 for everything. It was 750 in Fairbanks just for the visit and glasses. Wow. And state of the art. The, the machine they had there was way advanced over what Fairbanks had. Well, Mike, uh, it's a good success story, and I guess for folks who need to have some dental work done or other medical work done, that's not a bad deal. I had a friend that I, I had a friend that had a hip replacement, and he went out to one of those uh, resorts in um, it was Thailand. He went to Thailand, and they have a medical resort there where they do the surgery, and then when it's over, they put you up in this like five star hotel room with a, with a hospital bed and everything, and Nurses that come in and check on you and the rest of your family gets a chance to, you know, go lay by the pool or whatever. And it was still, even with all that, it was still cheaper than having it done here uh, locally. So, I mean, there's that's the thing. It's a worldwide economy yeah, when, now. It's always another choice. When you set it up with them, I stayed with friends in Arizona. But when you set it up with the dentist, they actually have you a motel room all arranged and everything right there. So you, you can stay right there in a motel. They provide transportation back and forth with a, with a driver and the whole bit. It, it's really, I was leery. I did talk to a couple friends that had just minor work done. But I am totally amazed at how much better I feel. Uh, my whole outlook on life has changed. Well, Mike, thanks for your call. That's a that's a that's part of the good news for today. You gave us a good news segment. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. It's good to hear from you, my friend. We got to go though. We are up against the break. Uh, we're going to continue when we get back. Uh, we got more Chris stories coming up. The Michael Duke Show. 
Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Kind of a different set of stuff. Um, All right. Gas cards for Valley School parents. Yeah, I guess the school district is going to discuss whether or not they uh, they're going to give gas cards to parents who have to take their kids to school uh, because the buses are still uh, uh, buses are still going to be making a thing. Um, very unfortunate. If you make an agreement in exchange for a vote, the agreement should be honored. Uh, to which Kevin McCabe says. There was no agreement. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I haven't, uh, I thought Tilton was going to be back on a regular basis. I think so. Hoping to have her on the program tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. Um, uh, let's see. We, uh, have so much snow. The Iditarod will just circle Anchorage a hundred times. Um, Haven't heard Mark from a while. Mark keeps track. Um, Tell us about the $1,500 airfare and hotel, said Harold, talking about uh, the taking your teeth down there. Uh, I don't know. I've had family members who went down and had medical work done in, uh, had medical work done down in Mexico, and they raved about it. Even with the plane ticket, even with the plane ticket and the hotel, it was cheaper to get all to get all that done. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Uh, now, on the other side, I have a friend who's a dentist who made a comment post the other day about here's you know about complaining about some of the work that's being done down in Mexico and having to fix it when you get back up here. So yeah, it's problematic to say the least. Problematic. I mean, I think you have to I think you have to make sure that you do your due diligence and make sure you're going to a reputable place and not someplace else. But again, I remember when my friend had his hip replaced, um, his hip replaced uh, down in Thailand, he came back and he was like, you know, first of all, he was walking around and hopping and so excited that he could actually because he had been walking with a limp for like three years. And he's like, oh, it's so much better, so much good. And by the way, and his wife was just beaming because, like I said, he got the surgery. They rolled him into what looked like a five-star hotel room. She went down, laid by the pool, came back. He recovered over the course of a week or so, uh, got some physical therapy done, did everything else, and came home. And it was like it was still half of what it would have been to have the same surgery done in Fairbanks uh, and less, just under half of what it would have been done uh, over in uh, – or just more than half of what it would have been done if he had had to do it in Seattle. So, yeah. No, I'm still a still a good deal. Uh, all right, um, Chris Story, the man from Homer, joins us. Uh, I guess uh, right now. Hello, my friend. 
What's uh, what's happening in your world? What's going on for Mr. Story? Well, as per normal, I tuned into the Michael Duke show to get some uh, medical advice and <laughs> oh, did you travel advice? That was it, all in one medical and travel advice and a history lesson, right? Oh. I mean, you got a history lesson on Alaska state sovereignty and and oil and mineral rights yes. and everything else. You got the you got the full meal deal, baby. But could I really go to Thailand for surgery? Honestly, not me. Just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. How come? Tell me why. I'm mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear why now. I just I just think, man, it's like if something goes wrong, where do I want to be? And I don't want to be there. I don't know. Maybe it's my own proclivity, but uh, I just think we have the greatest medical uh, facilities and practitioners and people come from around the world here. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. Are you really saving? We'll see. I mean, obviously, I'm so happy your friend had a great outcome. But yeah, I well, don't know that I could do that. You know what he said was interesting? He talked to his doctor when he was mm-hmm. in Thailand. His doctor had been trained at, uh, he interned at John Hopkins Medical University. He had been trained at I can't remember what the what, what but it was he was American he was trained in America, and all this mm-hmm. all this their whole business was built around American medical tourism. So they, I mean, they had the state of the art equipment, and they were all trained. They were all uh, uh, American trained. Very interesting stuff. All right, well, hold the line. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Chris Story. They call him Mr. Story. He uh, joins us this morning uh, to talk about positivity and pot, uh, pottery, uh, one of those things, and uh, and more. He, uh, We welcome him to the program. Hello, my friend. How are you this morning? Good morning, Michael. I'm on top of the world, just to the just to the right of the top of the world, but very very close, close enough. I can see the top of the world from my backyard. That's right. You're, I mean, you're a little bit of a moderate because you're not quite to the center, but you're off to the right. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's good stuff. I'm glad to have you on, my friend. Uh, what is um, what what's uh, what's our topic for today? I mean, you usually you slide me a little topic ahead of time, but this morning you're just like it's surprise. So what is the topic for today, Mr. Story? Trusting what you don't know. Trust in what I don't know. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of trust from me, Chris, because there's a, there's a lot like of, a boatload. There's, there's a lot that I don't know. So what uh what am I tr- how do I trust what I don't know? Well, Price Pritchett, I'm a big fan of Price Pritchett and his short little manuals. He's got small little books. The most important, probably the preeminent work of his lifetime will be U Squared. It's a great little 35-page book. I've talked about it before. But he he said, you know more than you know you know, which I just love that sentence, first of all. I'll repeat it. You know more than you know you know. And it's sort of like a, a warning to say, wait a minute. Do you Do you trust your own gut? Do you trust your intuition? Do you trust what you don't know you know because you know way more than you know you know and i think we sort of 
I don't want to say scapegoat, but I think we'll maybe defer to others, we'll defer to other people's opinions for a lot of reasons, but one of which is I think we've lost a little bit of connection to our own intuition, I think. I think that we have this sense that there are experts in different fields. We defer to them. We delegate our decision-making to others who have thought this through. Surely they know more than I do. And we have a knowing. We have an intuition. We have a sense, almost like a fingertip feel sense of what to do or what things, how the way things ought to be. But maybe unlike Rush Limbaugh, we don't have the audacity to actually put it in writing and say, this is the way things ought to be. And this is what I think and stand on that because, well, I don't know. Well, you do know. You know more than you know you know. And that is a quote from Price Bridget, and I believe it. I think it's actually very, very true. You know more than you know you know. So trust what you don't know. Is that, is because that, you know. You do know. You do yes, know. You know. Wait. Yeah. Let's so just, a lot of times we wait, just want wait. to guarantee. Let's discuss quantum mechanics. Just give me a minute here. I'm going to get down into there. <laughs> I mean, you know, take a leap. I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, okay. So we want a sure thing. We want so often in life a guarantee. And I think it's pretty natural. Of course, you want a guarantee. You want to, things to be a certain way, or you, you, maybe even we want to sort of obfuscate responsibility and so forth. I didn't, it wasn't my idea. That was their idea. They're the ones who told me. Um, but the reality is so Ogmandino was another great author and, and he's one of my favorite of the wild yeah one of my he's favorite terrific. Authors. yeah yeah he, he wrote in the god memorandum he wrote that he felt there were certain books that had been written since the bible that were influenced by the hand of god and he he referred to them as hand of god books in other words people were were tapping into the universal tapping into into you know, God or God was transmitting through them and through intuition. Do you honestly think they sat down and wrote something and said, oh, I am going to speak for God today? No, but it was an intuition that was coming through by silencing the noise and the doubt in our minds and allowing something to come through. So Marcus Aurelius wrote every single day, and he, he actually didn't write for you or me. He wrote for himself, whether he was on the battlefield, whether he was on the throne in Rome, he was writing in a journal every single day. It could have been a sentence, a paragraph, or a page, and it was to himself, for himself, and his things he wanted to remember, things that he wanted to explore in his mind. And so it later became a book where people published his writings, but they were never intended to be. It wasn't why he wrote, and certainly didn't do it for fame. He was the most powerful person on earth at the time, so it wasn't for fame or fortune. He already had it. It was for himself. There is a great quote that I love, and I remind myself of it. If I get, if I veer from journaling or writing in my fiction work or anything, if I veer from that too long, I'll remind myself about this quote. And I can't remember who said it, but they said, I, maybe it was Joan Didion. We'll say that it was. I don't know what I think about a thing until I write about it. I don't know what I think until I write about it. Mm. Because we tap into that intuition and then knowing what we don't know we know. Right. It's something different. I mean, once you put it down on paper, it changes it cohesively in your mind is what you're saying. Yes. And, and exposes yourself to your own knowledge and intuition. There's people that I know that don't like you, Michael. I mean, you, you communicate very, very well in both writing and speaking, but not everybody's is, is, you know, versed that way you are. I mean, you have a diversity of abilities to communicate. It's what you do and have done since you were a teenager. So it comes natural to you. And maybe that's why 
you had a bent towards this broadcasting business is that you can communicate so well. I know people though that write incredibly well and you hear them speak and you think, and then you read what they wrote and you go, hmm, did you copy somebody's work? Cause you don't speak so good. Uh, and you write really well and communicate so fluently in writing. And I think it's just another way to tap into that part of our gut, part of our brain intuition, whether you're a wonderful communicator verbally or not, writing is a way of tapping into, again, that sense of what you know, but you may not know you know it, and then it comes through. Have you ever written something, and then you come back later and go, oh, that's, wow, did I write that? And I listen to a lot of author interviews because I, I absorb things by listening, very auditorily uh, connected I am. And, and so I love listening to interviews of other authors who have gone through struggles and maybe I'm going through whatever, and I've heard that on hundreds of occasions people will say i'll look back at something you know they'll say leave your book for 30 days finish your book type the end and then walk away for a month come back and then you have fresh eyes and they'll even say things like i can't did i write this i don't remember writing this but it's coming <laughs> from a place of knowing what you do not know you know so what you're saying is trust the awesomeness that is your subconscious and your subconscious's ability to tap into the universal mind, into the intuition that is out there. So a little bit like a mainframe computer that exists. Like how is it on planet Earth, in disparate parts of the world, two people can be working on the same design, the same in, engine, you know, uh, invention? How is it that that could be possible? Now we have such connectivity that we know within a second of who's doing what and what what website's been absconded by whom. But back in, say, you know, 120, 200 years ago, the, there were people working on the same kinds of inventions at the same time. They didn't even know each other, but they tapped into the same sort of universal thought that was available, the mainframe computer that's there that we're all connected to. I happen to say, God, yeah. you can say what you want to say. That's interesting because, I mean, I was making a joke earlier about quantum mechanics, but... Um, there's a whole, I have done, I've done a bunch of reading over the last few years about the idea of, uh, you know, like you said, this universal mind, whether it's, you know, whether you call it God or something else, infinite design, that there's an underlying architecture to the universe and that they talk specifically about that two people working on, uh, inventions that were nearly identical. Uh, nearly identical on opposite sides of the world, pre-internet, right, before anybody really knew what was going on. And, uh, and, and, I mean, down to, you looked at the designs and you could almost not tell them apart. And it's like, how did the thought, was it just logical or was, did they tap into something that is part of the underlying, I guess you could call it operating system of the, of reality or the universe or whatever. Um, and how, when people are plugged into that, I mean, they talk about Nikola Tesla. He he saw things that, uh, you know, well before that wireless, you know, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, uh, radar, uh, you know, wireless power, all these things that he thought of, uh, you know, how did he plug into that? Um, and so it is interesting when you tap into that universal truth, I guess, uh, you know, I, I guess we, I have to, we, I, I would love to find a way to consciously be able to do that. Sometimes it's, usually it's unconsciously, but it'd be powerful to be able to tap into it consciously. Liz Gilbert wrote, I think, it was, and I forgive me because I've never seen the movie or read the book, but I think it was called Eat, Pray, Love. 
I think was her sort of uh, autobiographical book that kind of put her on the map and she became famous and Julia Roberts was in the movie. She then wrote another book later called Big Magic. And in that book, I did read that book. And in that book, she describes how an idea can be handed to you for a moment. If you fail to act on it, if you fail to take action towards the knowing, the thing that seems to come to the forefront of your mind and the conscious part of your mind, and you push it back to the subconscious and you push it away, it's up for grabs. Somebody else will grab it. Now, that could sound very, you know, sort of woo-woo or just out of this world or um, hey, groovy man, but I've experienced that. And I have literally experienced that in my own life to a point where I believed it. When I read what she, I was like, yes, I resonate with that. I get it because I've experienced it. I have not done something, not taken advantage of opportunity. Um, and, and I don't just mean a job offer from somebody. Obviously, they hired somebody else. I mean with a creative endeavor or something in my life that somebody else then popped up later and did or, or took advantage of somewhere else and go, oh, look at that. And we've all probably had that experience. You know, you've, you've thought about an invention or a tweak to a product, and then, oh, sure enough, somebody did it. Oh, well, that could have been yours to do had you trusted what you do not know you know, that you can do it, that you, you're capable, that, you that you've can got do more it. in you than you know. You can. You can do it. Um, That's right. How, how do we, I guess, how do we, how do we work on that, Chris? I mean, do we, is it just a factor of, is it just a factor of, um, practicing like writing and and trying to connect with it or is it again is it something that we that's subconscious what what should we do i'd suggest first if this sounds weird or anky stop arguing with it and just accept it and just for a minute for 30 days try it and then pick up a journal i, I shared with you you know a couple of weeks back uh, that i get these journals printed and i just picked up i just got a, a new batch and I write every single day. I don't like lined paper for journaling. I like blank pages because it allows me to sort of, you know, I want more cowbell and explore the studio and explore the space. So I like a blank page right. that I can write on without lines. But that's just me. But try it for 30 days. I would challenge you to journal every single day for 30 days and see what comes up. And then go back and read day one. And, and just you'll surprise yourself. I believe. And so if you don't already have a journaling practice uh, or Michael, like you have a, a diary with a little key, a little heart shaped key and everything. I do. That's fine yeah. for you. Some people, men, men like the journals on with, with kitties, you do your diary with kitties and a <laughs> little, hello kitty. It's a little, got a little latch on the side of it that nobody can read. I carry it around my neck, the little key around my neck. <laughs> God, I, God, I wish that was true. Dear diary and today, Chris, days. dear diary today, Chris story mocked me again. Uh, felt so good, felt so good. Uh, no, but you know, and, and you and I have shared this conversation that, uh, you know, I can write, I, you know, I do copywriting, I do a lot of other things, but it's not, it's not my favorite thing. Right. And so, I mean, I, maybe I need to sit down with, I don't know, some software or something and, you know, and, uh, and dictate a page every now and then. I don't know, something to be able to just close my eyes and tap into it one way or the yeah. other. But something I like the, the the non-screen time uh, page, written page with your hand. There is yeah. there, and the people have done studies relative to uh, your hand, the connection, the mind-body connection between your hand and your brain, uh, and your inner knowing, and actually writing it. But at a minimum, yeah, type yeah. it. Yeah. Use two thumbs on your phone. Uh, open your notes page and type something every single day for thirty days, specifically 
emptying your mind onto the page, whatever comes to mind first. It's so simple, but it does, it's a habit and it takes a little bit of a, a time to practice and adopt it. Um, I just read a book over the weekend called the 21 days to, what was it? It's 21 day success journal or, um, anyway, it's I'm not seeing it right here to tell you the exact title, but it was a really good book. It's out of print now, but you can still find it. But basically he picked 21 days because, uh, there's studies that have shown, okay, it takes 21 days to create a habit. I, I say go 30, right? 30 days in a row journal. If it's a sentence today, it could be a paragraph tomorrow, a page the next, whatever. Just do it for 30 days and begin to see yourself trusting what it is you know you do not know or no, no you don't know. But, it, but you'll begin to trust yourself and I think see your subconscious and your inner connection and your inner knowing uh, appear on the page and surprise yourself 30 days from now. You'll be shocked at what what you've written over the last 30 days and right. ideas that have come to you and, and concepts and maybe even a contentedness and a, and a sense of self that you didn't know was possible for you. That's my prediction and my challenge. Um, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling an urgency to do that. I mean, I'm feeling an actual, you know, I'm, I feel like a little bit of, uh, of compulsion to, to go ahead and do that. So, Maybe we can revisit in a, in a month and see what happens. I'll go down and pick up a thing and and I'll I'll knuckle down and write and do what I need to do. Chris Story, the man from Homer, he comes on uh, he comes on every week to help us. You can find his new book, uh, The Backyard Millionaire, at ilovehomeralaska.com and on Amazon.com. He's working on the latest in the Jacob Mann series uh, and more. Chris, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, what about your new oh, my pleasure. Your, your new podcast? Quickly, what about your new show and podcast? What's going on with that? The Backyard Millionaire. You can find it also at ilovehomeralaska.com. Weekly All right. episodes. All right. There's weekly episodes. Go check it out. Uh, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thing and radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, Mr. Story, I'm not kidding. No, either. I really feel, you know, how sometimes when you hear something, it resonates with you and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds what you're talking about um is kind of resonating uh with me right now like maybe i need to sit down and write down these things that i've been thinking about and talking about and like i said trying to tap into that underlying universal basic operating system uh, i always i always end up comparing things to computers i don't know why but um you know <laughs> right uh, nerd well i know it's the nerdy side of me it also makes sense in my brain you know what i mean stuff that makes yeah. sense in my brain so um, and I say do it. If you feel that way, then you got to do it. You got to do it today. Start today. But here's what I'd suggest. Start today with, with anything, scraps of paper, uh, a spiral bound notebook, whatever. But Michael, you should go to vistaprint.com and upload your logo, your cool logo that you, you know, got all over your website and stuff The you and your sunglasses and your fabulous famous beard and have some of those journals you can get those spiral bound notebooks um they're like five by eight i think is what they are that measure out to um or maybe they're eight by six whatever it's very cheap like five six bucks a piece have them printed with just that cover on it of your own and there's a sense of ownership 
instantly in journaling in your own journal. And so start journal. today with whatever you've got. But then go to this. I mean, it's super cheap. You can order one or two or three. I order five at a time, and I love them. And they're self-satisfying to look at because it's mine. That right. is mine. I am writing this. You put your... I'm not writing this in meads or moleskins. This is mine. Do you do you do you put your own headshot on it so you can look see look at I'm beautiful I'm beautiful I'm beautiful I have it printed with a special mirror coating on the inside it's costs a little more but it's worth it yeah exactly I don't write much I just sit there and admire I just sit there yeah. and admire <laughs> a lot it's, of a lot of narcissism that's here. right the narcissism is deep right white but no just have those printed and, and they'll ship right to your door but meanwhile get started on something today. Um, but I, I suspect you'll fill whatever you've got started today. You'll fill that in the next 10, 15 days and then be ready by the time your your customized notebooks come in. You'll be ready to start on those and, and you probably just won't stop. Yeah. Well, it's that enjoyable. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, like I said, and I'm feeling I'm feeling compelled. So that'd be cool. All right. Well, um, Chris, right I appreciate you, my friend. I thank you so much. And I hope uh, I hope the rest oh, of your week you. goes great to be here. All right. Thanks, bud. All right. This is the highlight. You know, it's going to go downhill from here. Right. You, Michael. That's true. That's true. Appreciate it. Thanks uh, for coming on board. Chris Story, the man from Homer, comes on board to share with us every single week. Boy, we can't get rid of him. Um, It's, it's all good. It's all good. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's continue on here, and we will uh, continue the discussion. Um, I guess we'll keep the phone lines open. We'll do that. We'll see what's going on. Randy said, um, Chris stories. You don't know what you think, you know, is giving me a bit of a struggle. I think that I know that it would be good for me to apply for old age security. Social security. I'm 68, but I feel as though I need to hear from a person who is old who decided not to take social security. Here's my thing, Randy, you paid into it. I don't know why you wouldn't take it out. It's your money. Why wouldn't you take it off? I mean, why wouldn't you take it out? of? I mean, why? There is no reason not to take it. It is your money. My God. Uh, and if you don't take it, the feds are just going to spend it anyway. That's that's the thing. Um, yeah, why, why would there even be a hesitation? Guarantee you I will be filing the minute that I can get a chance to file. Because why? Because it was my money that they took all those years. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. Why wouldn't you take that money? Again, if you don't, they are going to spend it, my friend. They're going to spend the whole kit and caboodle. And then they'll spend your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews' monies and everything else. So, yeah, the second that you can qualify for Social Security, mm -hmm, yeah, mash that button. Because otherwise, it's going to be gone. That's what's going to happen. Okay. The only good news in Alaska right now, says Chris, is that we're gaining seven minutes of daylight every day. Well, I mean, that's, uh, I, mean, I guess that's, there's other good news. But, yeah, I mean, that is definitely a piece of good news. I definitely am happy about it. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Don't get me started. <sighs> All right. Um, we paid $5,000 in self-employment tax this year, says Harold. You could take ours, Randy. That's big of him. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's big news there. Um, 
Chris Story just sent me a picture. He sent me a picture of the Chinese balloon. On it, it says, Weather Baroon, totally not for spying. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, well, uh, we got one final segment. One final segment, and we are ready to go. Laugh, smile, be ready. Like and share, subscribe, ring the bell, The Michael Duke Show. Okay, well, one final segment of the show today. And I guess uh, we'll go this way. We'll take your phone calls, see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. If you'd like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say on the program. All the lines are open and we are ready to go. I'm, uh, like I said, I was telling Chris, uh, you know, I'm feeling compelled to go ahead and, and do that, to write things down. Even though it's not something that I'm, I just feel like it's not something I'm very good at. Um, I can knuckle down and write when I need to on certain things, but to just write down my day. I mean, sometimes, don't you, I just want to get away from my day. You know what I mean? I mean, I just want to sit on the couch. I just want to eat a little dinner. I just want to vegetate in front of the TV just a little bit, take my mind off everything that happened for the day. Maybe it would be better if I, um, maybe we better if I would just write it out. Would it be cathartic? Would it be like purging if that's what I did? If I got in there and I, uh, uh, you know, I, I wrote it down, maybe that would feel better. And I guess it would be an interesting experiment to go back later on and to see what exactly it is that I wrote and what I was, you know, and what I was feeling. That would be, that would be interesting. All right. Well, um, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm thinking about it. All right. We got to, uh, we got to jump back over to the phones here to see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. Let's uh, go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, the interior, Mike, uh, this is Mark. I just wanted to point out that that was, uh, uh, thievery in progress and trespass on that willow. Alaskans were not given the adjudication, uh, that it deserved, which is justice. Uh, the educational malpractice imposed on Alaskans for the last 64 years has allowed this judicial theft to take place regarding Alaska's state-constituted statute, Mines and Mining, Section 28A, 190%. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you you calling in and and finishing up your thought there on that. 
Uh, all right, that leaves the lines open at 907-433-3150. Um, I'm looking at some guests this week. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had with uh, Mark. Um, oh, my gosh, I totally just dropped Mark's last name. Uh, the Alaskan author who's written for Tom Clancy and uh, and uh, and others. I'm just I totally Mark Cameron, Mark Cameron. That's who it was. Um, and I really enjoyed that interview with Mark Cameron, the Alaskan based author. And, uh, I, I would like to do more, um, kind of feel good, uh, feel good segments, um, instead of just doing politics as well. So I'd love, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on that. If there's any, um, uh, you know, if there's any discussion or anything else, I'd love to hear what you have to say on that this morning or any other subjects of, you know, good news or things like that. Because sometimes we do we do get, you know, bogged down in the you know, we get bogged down in the in the day-to-day grind, the politics, the angst, the angers, the I mean, so, you know, you know, so many crazy uh things that are going on out there, but there is good in there. You know, you, you, there are good things out there, like the story of the elderly Belgian man who was able to meet the descendants of a neighbor who saved him from the Holocaust. Um, and, uh, th- and this is a huge story. Uh, he was able to meet the descendants and find them after his uh, son and a helpful ge- a geneticist managed to track down the grandchildren. The meeting was organized in the same house where five-year-old David Rossler was hidden along with his mother. Now uh, now 85, Rossler had a chance to thank the grandchildren for what their grandfather, George uh, Burlett, did. Uh, Burlett lived in uh, Ottergem, Brussels, with his four adolescent children. Together, they gave shelter to Rossler and his mother towards the end of the war in 1944, after Rossler's uncle and grandfather had already been seized by the Nazis and sent to Auschwitz. In present day, David Rossler's son, Lionel, has tried for years to find the family that hid his mother, uh, his father, rather, and his grandmother. Thanks to social media and genealogist Marie Capart at MyHeritage, uh, he was able to track down uh, Anne-Marie's son, Xavier. And they browsed the records, they cross-referenced the data, and they discovered and uh, they discovered where they were. Uh, although uh, through Xavier, Capart got into contact with all five grandchildren of George's Burlett and explained that Lionel hoped to be able to introduce them to David, whom their grandfather had saved when again he was just a five-year-old boy. Uh, and then it became clear that one of the grandchildren lived in the very house that David was hidden in, uh, after which a meeting was then set up there. So it is an amazing story of uh, of courage and of uh, just, you know, human spirit. It's so cool. That's the kind of stories that I want to talk about every now and then. That kind of stuff. Because sometimes, um, you know, sometimes that's what happens. But you just, you gotta, you gotta put your, you gotta, you gotta put your politics aside for a minute and find some love for your fellow man and one another and everything else. Uh, All right. 907-433-3150.
3150 907-433-3150. Some of the, say, going to work on contributions to Turkey. Are there any non-corrupt organizations like the Red Cross? I don't know. The Red Crescent is the Red Cross in Turkey. I don't know if you can contribute to them directly uh, or not. But, uh, yeah, they had an earthquake that was... uh, similar in magnitude to the one that we had here in 2018. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, just, we're lucky. We just didn't have more damage here when it was all said and done. Um, all right, let's uh, go over here. One final call. We're almost out of time. So let's, uh, let's go over here to the phones real quick and see what uh, this caller has to say at 907-433-3150. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, Michael, this is Carlene and Hey, Carlene, how you doing? Oh, excellent. Thank you, Michael. Quickly. In reference to the David Eastman story, uh-huh. losing his staff, or I'm, I'm sorry that happened. Um, but it also, the, the thought came to me about Corrie Ten Boom, World War II. She and her family helped take in Jewish people and get them out of the country. And then her dad died and... She was in prison with her sister. Praise God for the life. Yeah. And Corey couldn't. All right. Thank do you. That. Thanks, Carlene. I'm sorry. Out of time, folks. We got to go. Uh, I'm sorry, Carlene. I was up against a hard break there. Uh, you could finish your story real quick, though, before I let you go. Yes. What happened then is Corey didn't really like that. Uh, she'd agree with sister for praising God for the life. The guards would come into that dormitory so the women were not molested or harmed. In in uh, the dormitory that they were at? Yes, because this suggested that they praise God for the life. So the guards wouldn't go in there and bother those women. That's interesting. That's Those a, two beautiful Christian women were not molested then. It's a good story. Uh, I appreciate you sharing it with us, Carlene. Thank you for uh, thank you for uh, for being part of it today, and thank you for sharing that story. Uh, all right. Well, we are out of time now for reels. We're gonna go. We're gonna take a break uh, and be back tomorrow. Mike Shower will be joining us, working on Kathy Tilton for tomorrow or Thursday. And uh, we'll have more then. Thanks for coming on board. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 